name is Renika Cheney, and I'm a member here at Christ Central. Today's reading comes from Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. I mean that the heir, as long as he a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, Christ Central Church. All right, let's say it one more time. Good morning, Christ Central Church. Good morning. My name is Josh Kim, assistant pastor here at Christ Central Church. We're glad you could join us as we gather to celebrate who God is and what God is doing in our midst this morning. Uh, as Pastor Derek shared, we are starting this sermon. Uh, we started this sermon series called This is Christ Central to highlight what God has called our church to do so. And uh, as I was listening to the Life at Christ Central, I'm reminded us again about what God is doing in our midst. And just want to remind you all, as well as Pastor Derek, if anyone is a young adult in our staff, that's me. Not Pastor Derek, not, definitely not Pastor Howard. Uh, but just want to let you know, the, if I am, if anyone is young adult, I am young adult. So I'll, I might be at the young adult dinner. All this to say, please continue to pray for our young adult ministry. What a joy it is for us to have that ministry up and running, as well as community groups. I want to encourage you, especially if you're new to our church, um, check out our community groups. One thing I always tell people as they come and join our church is not only get to know the pastors here, but get to know the people and hear their testimonies of why they want to be part of this. And in many ways, that is actually what this sermon series is going to be all about this morning. And as we um, go into this um, sermon series, we recognize yesterday was the 20th anniversary of 9-11. In many ways, um, I think this year, the 9-11 hits more differently than not uh, in, in different years, perhaps due to the, the events of Afghanistan, and perhaps due to the pandemic and all the trauma. And I rest the trauma is compounded throughout over the years. So as you think about our nation, many heroes that are not named as well, that, are, that have given their life, as well as we now hear a lot of stories of minority leaders that would never got a, um, highlighted or celebrated during this time coming to the surface. Uh, let's continue to remember and uh, pray to our Lord as we think about what it means for us to live in this world in light of the coming Christ. Um, we'll continue our sermon series again as I share titled This is Christ Central Church. In preparation for this, I went back and listened to Pastor Brown's sermon that he did three years ago on this topic, and I encourage you, you could actually listen to a lot of our sermons, old sermons online through our podcast. And I was telling our staff, I've been listening to Pastor Brown's sermon nonstop for this past week. It almost feels like he's in my head. You know, for all your Star Wars fans, it's almost like the Master Jedi that appears out of nowhere and says, Luke, make sure you tell the church this. And I feel like Pastor Brown is in, in my head telling me even now, saying this is what our church is about. Make sure you tell our church about this. And I also realized as I was listening to him preach in the past how much I missed his voice 
from this pulpit. So we're glad that you're back, Pastor Brown, and we look forward to hearing what God has to speak through you in coming weeks. Again, why the mission statement of a church? According to the Webster Dictionary, the mission statement is a formal summary of the aims and values of a company, organization, or individual. In other words, the statement aims to capture why an organization or church exists together in this place. And as we looked at last week, the basic foundation of any church has to be everlasting love of Christ from 1 Corinthians 13. But each church is given a specific focus and aim, and Christ central is no different than that. We believe, and I emphasize we, because this mission statement and our church is not just about Pastor Brown or mine or our session or our leadership, but this is our mission statement, especially uh, you're a member of our church who took vows to join. We often forget that this is our church's mission statement. Our mission statement, as we define and why we exist here, as Pastor Derek mentioned again, is bring people to enjoy God, hear His truth, grow in diverse community, and engage the world with the renewed dignity that comes from Christ. And today we're going to capture freeing people to enjoy God. And freeing people to enjoy God actually has to do with who you are meant to be. It's talking about your identity, your being, who you are created to be. And the question of, what does it mean for you to be man and woman? What does it mean for you to be a human? And many in the history have attempted to answer that very question, what does it mean to be human? And Karl Marx, a famous philosopher, defined humanity in relation to society by saying, if a human being is a social creature, then he can develop only in the society. Another philosopher, Friedrich Nietzsche, related our humanity to our awareness, our ability to see things from analytical perspective. Plato, a famous philosopher, the author of Theory of Human Nature, argued that our humanity originates from our soul and humanity from social construct. Immanuel Kant talked about in the context of knowledge. Thomas Aquinas talked about our intellect and rationale as a reason why we are human beings. David Hume says impressions is what makes human a human. And perhaps most famous of them all, and for me personally, Now, since you can eat, wash yourself, dress yourself, and poop on your own, you are a human being after all, my mother, who once said that. (laughs) And many of you who probably recognize that, watching your children grow up. Needless to say, many have attempted to answer that question, what does it really mean for for us to be a human being? What does it mean for you to function and to live as a human being? And in order to answer that question, we're going to look at the scripture because after all, Genesis reminds us God created us in his image. And as Pastor Brown answering this topic once said, God created humanity for his glory, for his enjoyment. So our God must have a final say in what does it mean for us to be freed to enjoy God. Our confessional statement that our church abides by, and confessional statement is basically a summary statement of the scriptures, and we use Westminster Confession of Faith. The larger catechism, question number one, asks, what is the chief and the highest end of men? The answer is, the man's chief and highest end is to glorify God and fully enjoy Him forever. Again, capturing what it means for us to be a human, truly human being. 
And according to Galatians text that you and I read today, Paul highlights that truly being human, to be freed to be a human being, has to do with the word freedom, as we talked about again. Again, in this context of Galatians, God is speaking to Paul, through Paul, to the current struggles in the church. Again, church, do you realize that God is okay, is not surprised in our struggles? Because he's much bigger than that. And he's going to speak into that so the church, you and I, can be transformed by that. And here in the midst of Paul's passionate speech in chapter 4 about what it means for us to be a church, we find that to be a human being, to be a church of Christ, has to do with freedom. First, to be free to be loved, and second, free to worship. Two things we see what it means to be truly human is first, being free to love, and second, being free to worship. And that's what we find in verse 1 of today's text. It says, I mean that the heir, as long as he's a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardian's manager until the day set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the element, elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time has come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that you might receive adoption as sons. One of the things that I get to do as a pastor, one of the privileges I get to do is to write a recommendation letter for many people who want to adopt children. And one of the things that if you go to different organizations, one of the questions that they ask is not only about the child, oftentimes when you're in the adoption process, what they ask is, how are you two as adopting parents? And how do I see them as a pastor? Are they ready to adopt this child into this family? family. Its focus is often not on the child itself, but on the parent that's wanting to adopt the child. I think we often forget that in our relationship with God. We often make it all about us rather than who or who is adopting us. Here in chapter 4, in the tail end of Paul's great exposition of how we are adopted as sons and daughters of God. By His grace, Paul reminds the church again, the reason why you and I are adopted into His family is not because how great you are, how great they are. In fact, he reminds them the reason why this church at Galatia is able to exist together is by God's grace and grace alone. The church we find in chapter 4 is divided. Despite being planted by Paul's faithful preaching of by grace alone, we see the false teachers that infiltrated this church and dividing the church. And what had been convinced by the Galatians was that in order for them to be a church, to be a follower of Christ, they had to be do more than by grace alone, by forcing the Gentiles to convert to Judaism, circumcising them, and to be acceptable to God. It is as if to say the Jews in the church were putting fences around the gospel and said, in order for you to join us, in order for you to be part of this church, in order for you to be a part of this body, you have to do more than be saved by God's grace. And I think those circumstances and challenges are not only common to the church back in the day, but even today, we see some of the churches putting fences around even the cultural issues or even 
simple things as a vaccine or different things as we see. It is not merely insisting on a preferences as we see in this text. What we see is that the Jewish dietary laws, they were saying that you are not saved apart from these things. To that, Paul writes to remind them of what God has done. In Galatians chapter 2, Paul writes that we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith. Again, Paul repeating justification by faith alone. Galatians chapter 3 verse 10, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be the one, everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. Again, what Paul reminds the church of Galatia is this, the simple truth of the gospel is that you are saved by grace in grace the law. So do not be a child anymore. He's referring to cultural norm at a time when the heir did not become full heirs until 25. Before that, they didn't have any rights. That's why he likens them to a slave who doesn't have any rights. But Paul is saying that we as a Christian who are loved by the Father are the rightful heirs. We do not need to be like children without rightful uh, rights that we have. Here are the elementary principles of the world referring to the laws of the time, customary laws, whether he's saying now you and I are free to be full-grown heirs to receive all the benefits of being in God's family. What Paul is reminding them is you are free to enjoy God, to embrace this grace, the gospel that you are bought at a place. Just as you are, you are loved, embraced by this heavenly Father who sent his Son to die for your sins on the cross, cursed under the law so that you won't be. You are free to be loved, free to be adopted, to continue as heirs, sons and daughters, no longer bound by the elementary principles, the law that reveal how short you and I fall according to who God is, but now bound by the grace that shows that you are loved. What we are to embrace in this church as we talk about being free to enjoy God, what we are calling our church to do is for you to come as who you are and be freed to come and be confident to come to the throne of God's grace and be loved as who you are, how God has created you to be. To be celebrated as image makers. Just picture that church. A church of Christ. People from different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different socioeconomical status, different food that we like, different preference that we may have, different histories that we have, genealogies, whatever it may be, the Church of Christ is a place where you and I can confidently come and be celebrated and be loved as what God has called us to be. I just want to highlight that our end goal, though, is not just multi-ethnic church. Did you catch that, Christ-centered church? Our end goal is not to be intercultural church. That's not our end goal. Rather, our end goal is where you and I are celebrated and loved as image bearers in submission to our Heavenly Father. That you and I are sons and daughters of God just as you are. And because of that, 
we end up becoming multi-ethnic intercultural church. Do you notice that? Our end goal is not just to become people of different color, race, and gender. Our goal is to be loved by God and be celebrated by who God is. And as a result of that, we cannot help but to reflect Revelation 7 church where every nation is bowing down before the Lord in celebration who God is. If you know what that is, then Galatians chapter 3, 27, 29 is not a color blindness. Galatians chapter 3, 27, 29 says, For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male, female, for you are all one in Christ. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offerings, heirs according to the promise. Some have taken this text and said, See? Color blindness. Everyone's the same, right? But then they will argue about, well, but there is woman and man, right? You cannot pick and choose what you want to do from the Bible. Scripture is absolutely hiding, highlighting. Paul is not advocating for color blindness here. Rather, what he's saying is he's speaking in light of the law and grace dynamics here because they're definitely Jews, Gentiles, as clear as they're Italians, English, Russians, Kenyans, Senegalese, Puerto Rican, Indians, Hmong, Chinese, Koreans, you name it, right? There are male and females as well. You and I are children coming, and all that are not to be highlighted by those things, but to be celebrated, to come together to reflect the beauty of Christ. And when we do that, we become the bride of Christ, one in Christ, under the grace of God. That's what Paul is saying here. To that end, we thrive as a church, and we long for this church. You know what that means for us? That means for you and I, as we come to Christ Central, what we're asking you to come is to come as fellow image bearers. Come as image bearers. We welcome you, your background, your culture, your story, even your brokenness. Pastor Brown once said in this text, preaching this text, he said, it means how you are in Christ, even in all your struggles, it works fine with God. You in Christ, a sinner, broken and struggling. That works for God. That works for God. The great physician, the great healer is ready for you to come. I think one of the best ways, church, for you to do that is come and share your story with one another. Oftentimes we come to church and we sit next to someone that may not look like us or that person may not hang out in your neighborhood. Then we go home and we go our separate ways and we don't mingle together as body of Christ. I remember this past year, one of the things that we have done at a church is to start a prayer meeting online. In light of the pandemic, we felt the need to pray together as body of Christ. And not that many joined us, honestly, but about four or five people on a regular basis. And guess what happened? George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, and Breonna Taylor happened. I remember the first couple of prayer meetings I went into when there were white people, African-Americans, myself, present. And as we're sitting there asking one another, how are you doing? There were tears that were shed. And you can learn all about the history of racism all you want, right? And there's so much you need to learn and grow there. And I know that you are all out there trying to learn and grow, have this racial reckoning. But I feel like more than any other time, in those 30 minutes of prayer time, as I sat there listening, praying with fellow image bearers, we grew and learned what it means to walk together during those times. Church, I think that's what church is called to do. 
We're called to walk together as fellow image bearers, reflecting the beauty of Christ. That means listening to one another's stories, celebrating their stories, and considering others better than yourself. And second application for us is let's do this together, right? We need you to reflect this beauty of Christ together. And church, I know this is a very difficult call for all of us. And I tell this to our church members all the time because I used to pastor a mono-ethnic church. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not here to debate the merits of mono-ethnic church. But there's something about mono-ethnic church that's a little bit easier to maneuver because most of the time, people have the same wants and desires and backgrounds. So you kind of get an idea of what you want to do. At Christ Central, what you like is the reason why the person might, not, might leave the church, right? <laughs> well, the reason why they might be saying, wow, this is a great church. I want to be part of this church. And they're like, oh, this is the reason why I want to leave the church. Some of the music that you might like and dance to is the reason why they might look at you and frown upon you, right? Some of the ways that our church operates may be the reason why the person might not be comfortable in this church. So what we're asking for you to come and being free together, oftentimes I think we think about freedom as doing whatever I want to do. That's not what the biblical definition of freedom is. Biblical definition of freedom is to come and be loved by who you are, by the creator who calls you to come. And that means, church, for us, in our Christ-central church context, there is going to be difficult. The relationships is going to be harder. For you to extend your hands of fellowship, for you to feel uncomfortable and to be okay with that, and to gather together. You may have to Google, read, study, most of all, listen. But that's what it means to be a body of Christ together, being free to enjoy God, not only by yourself, but as a body of Christ. Imagine enjoying the freedom of God together with everyone in one place. But so worth it. Why? Because God calls us to it. And that's why it is our mission, our vision, to be freed, all of us, to enjoy God together. Because at the center of how you and I are, who you and I are, is God who reveals himself as the master creator. Amen? Second thing we see is not only you are freed to enjoy God by being free to be loved, but free to worship our Savior. Free to worship our Savior. Not only are we free to be loved, but the natural outflow of being freed is to be free to worship our God. Galatians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 says, And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Did you catch that? The Spirit of God enters into your heart so that you could cry, Abba, Father. When the Scripture says a time is coming when uh, the, the true worshipers will worship the Lord in the Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord comes and cries out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Son here is talking about the heir, meaning the rights to receive the inheritance of God. It's not singling out male heirs. It's talking about son in the context of heir, the one in those times who had the right to receive inheritance. So we could say you are a son, sons and daughters, rightful heirs to receive the benefits of being adopted as sons and daughters of God. 
Notice what Paul reminds the church here is now because you are sons and daughters, rightful heirs, what can you do? Right? What can you do? Think about it. If you are like sons and daughters of someone really, really rich, right? You're sons and daughters of Elon Musk. Or if you're sons and daughters of Jeff Bezos. You know, first thing I would do is, all right, Amazon Prime on hyperdrive, right? I could do whatever I want to order and get it to me, right? Or Tesla out the lot. Whatever Tesla is out there or whatever it may be, if I'm thinking, if I'm a son and daughter, with all the inheritance that's coming my way, give me all the stuff. Let's speak it into existence, right? Let me all these cars. Let me get all this good stuff. Is that what our father says in the scripture? Although he is much more wealthy, much more benevolent than any other father in the world. Absolutely not, right? Rather, it says you could cry, Abba, Father. It's pointing to the relationship with our Heavenly Father. What is Abba, Father? Abba is an Aramaic word for father, more like daddy. Basically, he's saying you could cry, Daddy. And there are two other instances throughout the scripture where Abba, Father is used and mentioned. First place is Romans chapter 8, 15, again, in a similar context of the life as adopted sons and daughters. It says, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery, Romans 8 says, to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Again, living life as a transformed sons and daughters who is loved, adopted, in a rightful relationship where you know God, who truly knows you, and you can receive to him in a renewed relationship that comes from Christ, I believe that is the definition of what it means to be not only in relationship with our Heavenly Father, but also to be in worship of our God. Truly knowing who God is, to giving rightful weight to our Heavenly Father is what it means to be worshipped, to know God and to be known by God. But there is another time in the scripture when this phrase is coded And in that, we see another definition of worship as well. The very first time in the scripture where the phrase Abba, Father, is mentioned is actually in Mark 14, 16. And it says, and he said, and Jesus said, Abba, Father, right? All things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but but what you will. Church, do you remember The context of Mark chapter 14, we just went through this, right? In the Garden of Gethsemane, here is Jesus in the most pivotal moment before going to the cross, in the most intimate moment of prayer, he cries out, Abba, Father. And in it, although despite the terrible and difficult circumstances of giving of his life here, Jesus cries out in deep and restful cry, Abba, Father, in what? in surrender, resting in sovereign grace, yet in submission and serving God's purpose above all. Despite the coming cross, despite the eternal separation that we felt on the cross, he says, not my will, but your will be done, Abba, Father. Church, what is this pointing to for us? Oftentimes when we think about crying, Abba, Father, we think about only ways we could get something. But here in the context of Mark 14, Abba Father also is in context of living in surrender, in absolute surrender, in knowing, in resting in God's grace, 
that he will carry out his mission even through the valley of shadow of death. So what is this pointing to for us? Worship church is not something that just happens with music and lyrics on Sunday. Worship church is also not just the spontaneous praise and thanksgiving that flows out of us when God does something miraculous in our life. Worship church is also not just being known and being accepted and renewed in it. Yes, those are worship for sure, but worship is also living every day a life as adopted sons and daughters, crying out our Father. It is also living in your suffering and the valley of shadow of death in the pivotal moments of your life, crying out, Abba, Father, and expecting God to be present, to hear your struggles, to know your tears, and to go through the valley of shadow of death without losing hope in knowing that your daddy knows what you're going through. That is what it means to be worshipped. And what Paul is telling the church of Galatia, consequently to us this morning, is that you are truly free to be loved by God and adopted as sons and daughters, then you are now free to worship the Lord. Cry of our Father in the mountaintop experiences of life with the joys that overflow out of you, but especially, especially in the valleys of shadow of death. You can still cry out, Abba, Father, in worship. Why? Because you're adopted. Why? Because His grace is available for you. Why? Because he has marked this race up for you, and you are called to follow after him. He has come born to a Virgin Mary incarnation, lived a perfect life, and died so he can replace you on the cross, substitutionally atonement, as we say, so he could declare you righteous, justification, right? So you can now be fellow heirs, adoption. You can now worship in your imperfection, progressive sanctification, until he returns glorification. All the theological jargons and terms are here and present. But in the midst of it, did you hear the gospel? Do you be free to enjoy God means just that. Not only you are free to be loved as who you are, but now you're free to live this life in light of who God is. You're free to be, live this life as God intended you to be, the way you're supposed to live. That means for you in living and worshiping is pointing ourselves in serving our God. In addition to worship is a deep, restful, everyday surrender of yourself in giving to God's sovereign grace, knowing that He's got you, and through that, crying, not me, but you, and serving others. Isn't that what Paul again reminds us in Romans chapter 12? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Oftentimes we read through the scripture, we fly by these things and say, yeah, 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 great. Let's be a great worshipers today. But did you notice what it says? Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. That means worship flows out of this freedom of being known, so not only for you to dwell and be feeling good about where you are, but it says now in great submission to the great commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength, loving your neighbors just like that. That's what Jesus does in the Garden of Gethsemane, just like that. You and I are now called because you're free to live like that. Church, Church of Christ, Christ Central Church is called to be a place like that. 
Not a place where you say, me, 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 me. My, 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 my child, my child, my child, my child. But a place where we say, not me, but you. Place where we say, you who are marginalized are lifted up. Place where you, we say, I take this place instead of you. Place we say, let me sacrifice so you could enjoy. Place where we could say, let's look at the cross together, not your differences. Place where we say, you, not I. That's what it means to be a church of Christ, living in worship of our God, crying, Abba, Father, in the midst of it all. Pastor John Piper summarizes worship as this. The inner essence of worship is to know God truly, then respond from the heart to the knowledge by valuing God, treasuring God, prizing God, enjoying God, being satisfied with God above all earthly things, and then the deep, restful, joyful satisfaction in God overflows in demonstrable acts of praise from the lips and demonstrable acts of love in serving others for the sake of Christ. In other words, church, are we not only acing being known by God, but are we also a church that is at the forefront of serving others? To follow him, to imitate him, to consider others better than yourself. That is the mission of a church. In the words of Pastor Brown again, our mission is not centered on a bunch of to-dos and don'ts but rather we want you to come and be seated and be honest about yourself and fall into the grace of God and let the grace flow out of you naturally. In the darkness of our lives, in your joyous times, what we are called as church, period, not just Christ-centered church, is to offer up our lives in response to the great amazing grace that's demonstrated on the cross. Holy and acceptable God, because Jesus has adopted us into God as worship to the Lord. Thinking about mission statement, I'm sure a lot of you probably hearken back to, as Pastor Derek did that too, about the reason why you came to Christ Central Church. I have privilege of leading new membership classes, and the, one of the things I get to ask the new members they come, come to our church is, why Christ Central? <laughs> How did you end up stumbling into us? Do you really know what you want to be part of? Are you sure about this? You really want to do this? I, you, you know this because I meet with you and I ask you all these questions. Are you sure about this? Do you really want to be committed to us? And we actually call our, our, the membership process dating process, right? Because we want to date you and we want you to date us. Before we say, I do, at the vow to say we're committed. May this bond bring us together. And I thought about the moment that I came to Christ Central. And as a pastor, I bought into it, right? In many ways, I did this. I told my family, we're going here, right, in many ways. And we did this together, obviously. Um, and I talked to the session of our leadership and talking to Pastor Brown for a number of years. It took a long time for us to come to Christ Central. But in many ways, I knew what I was doing and getting into this. But the question is, what about my son? According to our uh, book of church order, he's a non-communicable member, meaning he doesn't have any rights at this point. He's maybe the heir, but does not have the rights of an heir. So how about him? Does he buy into what we believe as a church? When we first came to Christ Central Church, it was definitely a shock to us in many ways. And many people, I still remember, welcoming us. They didn't know I was a pastor, so they would say, want to come to our community group. Want to join us for lunch? I appreciate many of you for doing that for our family. 
remember volunteering for Vacation Bible School around the corner that one particular month after I came on staff. And as I was uh, participating as a family to set up the room, one thing that I saw just captured my heart for this church was my son Seth was following these two older girls around the whole time. We didn't tell him to do so. We didn't expect him to do it. We just, he just came again as a son who doesn't have any rights at this point to come and volunteer for hours after Sunday to help set up for VVS, not knowing that VVS is for him, by the way. But he was following after these two girls setting up for VVS, learning one step at a time, being called Seth, come, Seth, come, Seth, come. And all he did, church, was putting down one sticker on the floor at a time. Not perfectly. If you were at the VVS, you notice it's all zigzagged all over the place. (laughs) But he did it one step at a time. And I realized that's what it means to be a church of Christ at that moment. Son, my son, who is also being known as Seth to others, but now following someone just one or a couple steps ahead, showing them where to place the sticker on the floor, not fully realizing where it's going to end up, but one step at a time, serving in his own way. Church, I use my son as an example, but I'm highlighting that for all of us. Every single one of us are made in the image of God, as the Bible tells us. Unique and known by our Father. Your story the way God has created you, God has brought you thus far, is the beauty of the gospel in itself. What we're calling our church to do, in those stories, come. Let us learn what it means to be loved by our Heavenly Father, but now let's serve one another and grow in our worship to Heavenly Father. Free to be loved, free to worship, Be truly human as you and I are created to be in response to giving proper worth to our God so others will know who God is. Freeing people to enjoy God together. This is Christ Central Church. Let's pray. Let's pray. Don't you want to be a part of a church that consistently dies to itself in service to others. A church that is so freed to come confidently, not swayed by the ways of this world, but to know that our Heavenly Father loves you as your creator. That's our vision. That's the mission. Father, that's our prayer, Lord, that in this corner of the universe, in this city, in this zip code, in this place. We want to be a church that reflects the beauty of Christ, to free people to be who they are in the way that God is, you have created them, but also in submission to our Heavenly Father, worshiping, serving, dying to one another in love of our Heavenly Father because you have done the work for us, adopting us, fellow heirs, into the family of God. Strengthen your people, Lord. Christ, let me pray. Amen.